Support for this podcast comes from Eightfold AI. Eightfold AI's market-leading talent intelligence platform helps organisations retain top performers, upskill and reskill their workforce, recruit talent efficiently and reach diversity goals. Eightfold's patented deep learning artificial intelligence platform is available in more than 155 countries and 24 languages, enabling cutting-edge enterprises to transform their talent into a competitive advantage. For more information, visit eightfold.ai. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 586 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The ever-shortening shelf life of skills, fast-changing business priorities ageing populations and changing attitudes to work mean that retaining the right talent is not only more difficult than ever, it's also likely to remain so for years to come. It's not surprising then that talent leaders are starting to think differently about the structure of their function, to remove silos and foster collaboration between talent acquisition, talent management, L&D and other vital people functions. So, What kind of overarching vision is needed to drive effective cross-function thinking? And what strategic role should TA be playing internally within the organisation? My guest this week is Helen Luan, VP of Human Resources at Ekaden. Helen's background is in recruiting, working at rapidly scaling companies. Her focus at Ekaden is building a shared vision of employee experience to connect HR silos to improve hiring and retention. Hi Helen and welcome to the podcast. Hello Matt. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please could you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure, thank you for the invitation first. Um, My name is Helen, I'm French and uh, I'm currently VPHR at Equiden, which is a European consulting company operating in different countries. Currently um, several over uh, over Europe. Uh, we are providing um, digital, industrial and sustainable uh, competencies for clients. Uh, I joined there three and a half years ago when the team was only counting uh, a few people and uh, we grew very fast from 10 to 250 in three years. Well, I think I'm sure we're going to talk about it later. Um, and I am a VP, as a VPHR, I am uh, supervising so to say the whole um, candidate and employee life cycles from the talent acquisition to the talent development, cultural design, so on, so until the exit. And before that, I was uh, we were living in Germany for uh, seven years, where I worked as a HR business partner, focusing also on recruitment, but also in uh, operations for the hotel chain Premierin, and that was currently expanding on the German market. And when I joined, there was one hotel. And when I left, there were 33. And I think now they are even over 50 and the expansion still going on. 
Wow. So kind of scaling businesses is something that you've done that you've done at least, uh, you know, a couple of times now. Let's talk about Premier Inn to start with. What were the talent acquisition challenges with growing a hotel chain like that quickly? How did you get around them? What kind of lessons did you learn? Yeah, it was uh, very tough, but I learned a lot um, because, you know, Premarin is very known in the UK, but is completely unknown in Germany. And we were recruiting for the hospitality industry for a brand that was still unknown uh, on the German market and at that time. So um, hospitality, you know, doesn't have always a very good reputation in terms of working conditions um, so it was not always very easy to uh, attract talents um, there was a big opportunity for an HR approach that would uh, break with the traditional practices in force at the time and a strong culture that was um, implemented by Natalie Bush and uh, Inge van Otegem in order to, you know, to quickly offer competitive working conditions and be able to also attract and recruit people. And at the same time in Germany, it was quite interesting because there was a wave of immigration, of political and uh, war refugees. Um, so we worked together with... Uh, associations to help integrating these people that were arriving and there were some very success uh, good success stories uh, particularly for people who arrived who didn't speak the language and who uh, after solid like training and internal um, development programs were able to become team managers for example so many many different situations that um, taught me that it's not so simple to recruit personalities instead of uh, looking for a perfect CV. Amazing. That's so interesting to have kind of been through that experience. And what are the, I suppose, what are the similarities and, and what are the differences in terms of what you do now? So scaling a consulting business, what's the same? What's, what's very different? You know, it's uh, always, I think, a question of uh, adapting to the industry you're working on, because in my case, I didn't know anything about hospitality uh, nor consultancy before I worked for those industries. And in the end, I think it's a little bit like marketing. You are first to understand the target audience to find out uh, what they are really looking for, offer them the right conditions that will suit them, and then adapt the speech and uh, what you're offering to be convinced, convincing. And there are clear difference, of course, in terms of profiles between those two industries. At Ekiden, we also um, are receiving over 30,000 applications uh, a year, whereas at Premierin, at the beginning, it was very few. And um, I would say that what is also of course, very similar is like the speed of growth, uh, as you mentioned, because when you're recruiting a lot and recruiting fast you have to you are facing uh, real cultural and identity challenges within the company you need to um, quickly find out which values you have which personalities will match them and which environments you need to develop to grow them so i think it was like more as uh, situational similarities so to say and I suppose to kind of use that comparison to get a benchmark as to where we are right now, because this year has been the year where we've we've done a lot of talking about AI and automation. And I know that a lot of employers have been effectively using some of the tools that are currently available in their talent acquisition activities. How would you have benefited in the past 
from some of the tools that are available now? I think first that we would have n- we would never be able to process 30,000 applications a year without any AI or automation. And um, when we are talking about AI and automation, it's not just used in the recruitment process, but also, you know, throughout the uh, entire employee life cycle. And I think for the time at Premierin, it will that be very beneficial to uh, use AI or automation to be able to generate more uh, application, for example, like using retargeting in recruitment, automating a bit more like the sourcing. However, since the target groups are very different, I'm not sure it would have been, uh, would have worked uh, at this time, Uh, but maybe more like trying to automating tasks that uh, don't add value in the the employee lifecycle to be able able to focus more on things that really matter, such as uh, support, culture, events, and even sometimes simple things such as listening or passing on knowledge, for example. Interesting. And how are you using the tools now? What, um, How is it part of the, I suppose, not just TA, but the, the, the whole of HR in terms of what you're doing? Well, we are connecting uh, all our tools together. Um, we are making sure that um, the different silos of uh, HR are connected. You know, when we grew from uh, zero to 230, uh, we gradually developed the different topics in HR because first it was about how to attract and hire people. And then it was more about how to uh, make sure they will stay and they will stay with us for a long time. And the different functions of HR started to connect between each other and to communicate uh, strongly uh, together. So it's it, it started to be um, there first in recruitment, of course, but then also um, in all topics related to data to be able to generate automated reports, for example, or predictive analytics for workforce planning or um, to automatize also like uh, emails or um, different like touch points in the whole employee lifecycle to be uh, again um better focused on things that really matter that uh, machines are not able to replace yet. <laughs> so I think the interesting thing when we're talking about scaling business, so as you say, you kind of start off, talent acquisition is the main thing. As the business gets bigger, HR starts to split into these silos, but now they're working together much more closely. Is that just driven by the technology or is it a different way of thinking about talent, the people in your business? I think it's like, uh, well, in, in our company, definitely um, the the move, but I think overall in, in general, in, in HR, it is slowly moving to or evolving to a very like people-centric departments in HR. They can't be just like silos next to each other. They have to work more and more um, together to collaborate, to communicate strongly, sharing the data to collaborate effectively. In in Nikiden, we we call the HR department like the POPs because for for people operations, and it's a department that focuses really on streamlined operations that can use data from all the different silos to drive then that decisions and projects and uh, support tangible business results. And you have more and more 
like uh, problems of retention and the, the market is very competitive. There's nothing new in there. So companies must focus on the employee experience and culture. And this is on top, like over all the different silos. It's not, uh, you cannot just like differentiate uh, those. They must work together. Just tell us a little bit more about how that works from a retention perspective. I think that the fact that if you if you are focusing on you are taking the employee experience uh, as a whole uh, and not a talent acquisition strategy and talent development strategy, compensation and benefit strategy, uh, and that you just make sure to understand who is your target group and what kind of different. Um, things you can offer them throughout the whole journey and then you are even stronger in terms of retention because talent acquisition can also can communicate um, on market trends on compensation and benefit strategies give you like inputs on uh, how to work better in internal recruitment for example for career development purposes learning and development certifications that will be key on the market and so on and so if you you, you can straighten your, comp- straighten your uh, compensation and benefits strategies, communicating better with talent acquisitions or um, have a stronger uh, personal development plans, talking also with talent acquisitions or knowing better the market. So I think like if you take it as a whole, you will have personalized experiences for each of the employees, better understanding um, the environment and better understanding what they really need. Um, so yeah that makes perfect sense and I think the value of the lens that talent acquisition has externally brought internally you know as you say incredibly important I suppose that brings me on to the the final question which is what do you think the future of TA looks like Um, we talked a bit about technology what sort of impact is that going to have over the next two to five years Probably more AI even <laughs> to to streamline uh, repetitive tasks and allow recruiters to be uh, more focused on strategic aspects. Because as I was saying before, I think recruiters are no longer just sourcing and placing talents. Instead, uh, the function is really like more as a strategic partner for the organization. With uh, that must have deep understanding of uh, broader business landscapes, and recruiters uh, of tomorrow are, uh, I think, expected to be more on top of market dynamics, um, competitive positioning, industry-specific challenges, and also influencers. Uh, of the HR strategy, where, as I said before, you know, in compensation and benefits, learning and development. But I think as well, um, there will be in talent acquisition probably more pressure around transparency and conditions that you're referring to to employees. There is a there is a lot of legislative pushes currently in Europe around, for example, pay transparency directives in the European Parliament. That where European companies will um, be required to share information on salaries, taking care of like um, gender pay gaps, uh, make sure that it will be not longer than something like 5%. So um, it will be like a key uh, business uh, and centric business uh, actor, I think. Helen, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. 
my thanks to Helen. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.